Welcome to the Share Chair Podcast, where we tell each other stories and learn from listening. Mr. Sin, welcome to the Share Chair Podcast. Glad to be here. Thank yeah, you. it's so cool. And I am elated to start the podcast by saying the reason we're interviewing you now is because you're, you've accepted and are, are willing to and um, take on the Share Chair Podcast here in Spring Lake while I venture off with it to the Netherlands. And so I'm so thankful that you're going to do that. It'll be fascinating. We'll be like stereo on two separate sides of the world. Yeah. And you running it there and then Kate keeping it going. Yeah. Going in here. So I'm just happy to be part of it. I'm glad. Thank I'm so glad. Asking. I'm so glad you are. And yep. And of course, Kate and the whole the whole um, producing crew here uh, will do that. And we'll try to build another school or a group who will conti- who will do it there and wow. we'll see see what happens you know it it's gonna it make it international yeah, we'll see how it goes step by step right do you do you see yourself as empathetic i like to think yeah. I, that i view myself that way i i come across i think i mean that's if you're an english teacher or a teacher mm-hmm. in general i think empathy is should be part of your dna part of part of who you are and to make kids feel comfortable in your classroom and you know for me as a teacher, subject matter has always been secondary to making sure that kids are comfortable in my room. And sometimes I mask even my own anxieties by making jokes and being funny. And, you know, if, if kids feel like this is a non-threatening place to be, then learning the material can come pretty naturally from that. Where did you, you grew up central, in the center of the state, near Lansing? Yeah, I grew up in, in Morris, in which Morris. is a very small town between Lansing and Flint. Uh, Morris, Perry, Owasso, it's right along I-69. And, yeah. yeah so. And your own interests at the high school level, like what were you into when you were oh, in, I was, in I the was, high school? Uh, I was a jock in high school, three-sport athlete. Uh, I'd like to brag that I was voted homecoming king and that the other three guys were pissed because uh, but <laughs> actually our, our class was a little larger than that. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah. But we had you know, 66 kids in our graduating class. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. One of those small farming communities. Uh, everybody knew everybody else. Um, and, uh, you know, I played, played three sports and, you know, president of the NHS and student council and just uh, all of all of those things. Those very, three guys must have been pissed about all about all of that. And then um, well you don't know this but Mr. Sin was uh, quite the baseball player actually got 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 accolades on on state levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, uh, maybe you do know player. that but he was a good I do remember your so. senior pictures. You showed them in class oh, once. I did. Oh yeah, when, when I teach 1984 yeah. and uh, uh-huh. Was my graduate? I graduated high school uh-huh. in 1984. So awesome. They're very my, nice. Uh, I like them. Yeah. <laughs> was there hair then? No. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No Photoshop or anything. Uh-huh. So. And then from there, from Morris to Grand Valley. From Morris to Grand Valley. And then, yep, okay. Yep. I was a little bit of the black sheep. Um, the first one in my family to go to college, and the first one to go away from home mm. um, to to college, and and since then, uh, and the first to become a teacher, and so. Since then, I've had my um, youngest brother, um, three or four cousins, uh, who have all gone to Grand Valley, and we have probably, counting spouses, a half a dozen teachers in our family. So so I value literature, and I think a lot of the empathy comes comes from to being able to put yourself in the the shoes or the mind of a fictional character mm-hmm. and understand the motivations for that character 
the vast majority of what I read now is nonfiction. I read a lot of memoir and biography just because there's an attraction to, to literature that tells a story of somebody you know, so that actually happened. So, mm-hmm. um, so being able to identify initially with a Holden Caulfield or a Winston Smith and then sort of translating that to, you know, reading, I read a lot of Eric Larson. And yeah. just, to, just love to, to learn about history and, um, and the world through, through books. I tell you, it was a catcher in the eye for me when I was, yeah, I guess it was 17. My brother, Mike, gave me a copy of The Catcher in the Rye, and he said something to the effect of, now you're an adult, yeah. you know? Right, right. And it's like, oh, the realization that literature could do that, yeah. right? Like, whoa, that's gripping yeah. or different at least, you know, and uh, pretty exciting. And so. it's, it's fun with students because some of them look, to use that example, look at Holden Caulfield as this whiny little punk, and it's like, oh, this is this book's from the fifties. I don't, I don't get it. And and yet, you know that in every single classroom, there are probably three to five kids who are like, yeah, that's, well, that's, Alden said that right when mm-hmm. we interviewed him last week. Mm-hmm. He said that was the one book in AP that he, that really caught his attention mm-hmm. because he was that pissed off. You know, the world's full of phoniness. Yeah. I think even as Kate sits here, she knows that there's phoniness in the <laughs> high school setting. And, you know, she will talk about being ready to fly and move beyond high school and go, you know, go out in, not that it doesn't exist in the adult world oh, or, sure, in, sure. Or, or, you know, or in college, but, you know, they're... I just want to see some different this, phoniness. That's right. There's, <laughs> there's a disdain, I think, that mature people develop for, for hypocrisy and for phoniness. Yeah. And, so when you think about um, the profession um, of teaching, what is the most... Well, well, you've, I think you've already said it. It's kids first, yeah. curriculum second. Yeah. Um, and you said comfort in your room can actually allow for learning. Yeah. It can allow for curricular learning. Right. So in what ways do you try or do you work to develop that in your room? If, if a person... A student is coming into Mr. Sin's room, you know, what are they, yeah. yeah. So, so I think I go back to the, the man who hired me to move to Spring Lake, Mark Westerberg, always, I won't get this right, but he, he had a, a line that was something to the effect of, you know, the three most in, important factors in order for a teacher's success are the personality of the teacher, mm-hmm. and then their subject matter, and then their classroom manager, something like that. So, for, so the personality of the teacher was always the main thing. And for me, you know, getting to learn names, trying to find, I've always been really sensitive to the introvert, trying to find those kids who you know are going to have a heart attack if you call on them or call <laughs> them out or single them out in any way, but then physically going during a moment when students are working on other activities, going over to that student and just talking, you know, about something they wrote in their journal or asking mm-hmm. them individual questions to know that I see you. I'm not going to m- make you nervous or, or mm-hmm. cause your anxiety to go up by putting you on the spot, but I, but I see you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at, invariably during the course of a trimester, a student's going to come up and ask to go to the bathroom or to... I was absent yesterday. What did I miss? And I never pass up those opportunities to harass kids. <laughs> um, just, you know, try to say something off the cuff that's funny or, you know, to make them realize that they're not just a number sitting in a chair. Well, you know, with this, 
podcast, um, you'll talk to all kinds of students and people and all of that. And some of them, uh, of course, will you know, be open and ready to share their vulnerabilities or their, their, their fears or their own anxieties. And not that that's the aim of the podcast, really, but sometimes that's what comes out. And I'm wondering um, if, you know, for the audience, if you wouldn't mind discussing maybe some of your own anxiety. Actually, earlier you said sometimes I use humor that might hide some of my anxieties. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, because I think people could incorrectly look at Mr. Sin and be like, oh, he's just always funny, always confident, always just, he knows who he is, everything perfect and smooth. But, you know, I mean, we all have our things, right? And so I'm wondering um, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of that. So I had a, a point probably 1998. This is completely unrelated to to my teaching, I think, in many ways. But uh, another little-known fact, I guess, that goes toward the empathy is that I I lost my brother, uh, my middle brother, the one who didn't go to college, um, Mm -hmm. had cancer, uh, had a brain tumor, and and battled that for three or four years and finally passed away in 1998. And there was a time that year, in fact, it was in May of the year, and so we had a month of school left, and I, I remember having literally these panic attacks, these anxiety attacks. Anytime I tried to read from a text, talk in front of the class, I had to, to seek medical help and, and get a medication that would sort of just kind of take that edge off of the anxiety. And, and over time, that subsided. I don't use that medication anymore, but there, the anxiety is just always just beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. Being in front of a class of 30 kids, and I, and I think back to... I'll probably get the name wrong. One of one of the famous baseball players might have been Ted Williams or Joe DiMaggio, who, who 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 when asked, you know, how is it that you're able to perform at such a high level, even when your team isn't good, you know, you, you and he said some kid in these in the stands is going to be seeing me play for the first time, and I owe that kid my best effort as if I'm playing, you know, in front of any other audience, and I guess in some ways I feel the anxiety of delivering a lesson to students, it's almost a sense of obligation, mm-hmm. but that carries with it a certain amount of, of anxiety. Am I doing it right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I funny at the right time, smart at the right time? Am I kind of stemming recklessness when it comes up in the, in the classroom? Am I managing the, the atmosphere? And that's with me all the time. And mm-hmm. so it's funny to hear... I guess from the outside of people, you know, that person that has it all together, that knows, you know, that just seems to, to get it. But that's definitely not, not the case. I get nervous every morning. <laughs> I like having first-hour planning because I can come in and have my coffee and just kind of get my thoughts about me, and I'm not much of a morning person. Mm-hmm. I told my class today, I said, some people are morning people, some people are night people. I said, I have about a 15-minute window, <laughs> very high productivity, sometime mid-afternoon, and unfortunately, none of you are here to see it. It's like 3.15. Yeah, somewhere 3.15 to 3.45. I'm good. I'm sharp. But, you know, so, so that, it's always, it's always there. And I don't think there are, very, to be honest, I don't think there are very many teachers who could say they're completely at ease. And, you know, I get terrified in front of a group of peers to, to talk in front of 30 students, I manage that. To go and 
present at a staff meeting or a mm-hmm. large that ooh, I that's a that's an anxiety that's a phobia of mine is public speaking. So uh, it seems yeah, interesting, <laughs> right? I mean, that seems counterintuitive, I guess. But yeah. if you had a piece of advice to give to anyone, what would it be? Always, always the golden rule. It sounds like a cliche to treat other people the way you you would want to be treated, but then I think kind of alongside of that, just to to not take yourself too seriously. Um, you know, don't take life too seriously. None of us is getting out of this alive. And so, <laughs> it's, it, you know, to enjoy the moment and and just value value people, value your situation. Thanks, Mr. Sin. Hey, thank you, Mr. Sin. Thank you for asking. Kate when, came in and I said, who are we interviewing today? And she said, well, it's you. <laughs> I, I had missed... I had misread her invitation to think, yes, I, I would be happy to sit in on I'm learning how the podcast works. And then I realized I was going to be on this side of the table. So that was a real treat. Awesome. So thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thank Great. You.